Hello. Welcome back to another podcast. This week we have Belinda. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a snooze. Belinda Zhao. Belinda Zhao, yeah. Really, really honoured to speak to her. She is a fantastic photographer. Um, she works quickly. She's a... what? How would you class her photography? Well, if I... Uh, well, she works for, like, news outlets. So um, she covers, like, p- politics, um, events happening. Like, she's mainly based in London, I think. London, yeah. So, you know, I'll put a link up to her Instagram. But if you see a lot of the stuff on there, she has her photos syndicated across, like, newspapers and you know um television and you know things like that yeah. so she has a work in papers on you know online papers magazines that that kind of thing but yeah it's like i we we went to brighton in the summer yeah and i've still got photos from brighton that i haven't i haven't looked at and haven't even developed so yeah. imagine the opposite of that that's that's mm. what she is oh yeah she'll get like a text or a call at 10 to 8 in the morning to say, right, you've got to be there at 8 o'clock taking photos and we want the photos by 10 o'clock. So, yeah, she works quick. Mm. But she's, also, she's also a really good photographer. Like, well, I, yeah, I, I mean... yeah, I couldn't work that fast and have good results at the end of it. No way. I struggled to get good results with unlimited time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pleasure speaking to her. Uh, we, won't, we won't talk for too long on this intro because we want it to be about Belinda and the questions that we've had for her. Um, but yeah. Go check her out. Go check her work out. Follow on Instagram. Um, help support. Drop her a message. She's lovely. Enjoy the episode. Join well, please. Been a while since I've done that. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. If you want to start off by just kind of briefly introducing yourself and telling us how you got into photography maybe right hello everyone this is belinda and uh, i am currently based in london so i'm currently in the process of getting into news photography mostly doing newspaper stuff like um protests a lot of protests and also do politicians and you know generic stuff that you see that will come up in newspapers and i'm originally from hong kong so i grew up there i was born there grew up there um, I studied there until uni and then I moved to London. So I think it's like a mixture of um, being a foreigner here and also like just being young and having lots of things to explore that really got me into the realm of news photography because it does, it does send you around London quite a fair bit and it's a, fair, it's a fun city to be in. And um, as to how I got into photography, that would have to Go, we'll have to go back a few years um, since like when I was in my teens, I guess. That was when the smartphones first came out. So I was one of the early adopters, adapters of Instagram. I'm probably not the earliest people to use Instagram, but I would say that most of my photography education actually came from Instagram, which could be a good thing and could be a not so good thing. Mm-hmm. But basically... You know, I think one of the merits, one of the credits that I will have to give to Instagram is the fact that it was really captivating as a platform in its earliest stages. Mm. Um, you could really connect with people who are very enthusiastic and um, you could really connect with people in your locality. And so you see what they're doing, you try to mimic them. Um, it's also a very friendly community and that's how I really got into like learning more about photography on a more technical sense but eventually I feel like um, I started drawing inspiration from other sources so like reading photo books and um, doing stuff that's not exactly very instagrammable and exploring wandering off and exploring my own stuff and that's how I kind of developed my own style as a photographer and also eventually started doing film photography so these kind of things, they all came in stages, but I got started in photography mostly because of the Instagram hype. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's really cool, though, because, you know, it, I think back to when Instagram first came out or, you know, when I started to go on it, definitely in its earlier days. And again, it was it was a lot kind of simpler back then. And I'm not saying it's bad now. And I know that there's this kind of 
you know, big hoo-ha at the minute is like, is Instagram good? Is it bad? Or, you know, it's changed so much to how it was and we all want it back to how it was. But I don't think I've ever spoke to someone who, who kind of got into photography from the start of Instagram before. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember when Instagram came out and it was just, okay, this is a place to connect with my friends or, you know, meet new people, whatever it might be but not so much from a from an artist point, if that makes sense. You know, not like an art form like photography or videography, whatever it might be. It was more just a place to share your photos from the weekend, so to speak. So it's cool to say, you know, that's that's really cool that you've kind of, you know, been, like you said, from the earlier days and you've kind of progressed throughout, you know, the last however many years Instagram has been around, but you can see that you've kind of grown as an artist which is really cool that you've got like, you know, you've, you've got knowledge from Instagram, which is, which is good to hear. Right. As in, I wouldn't say, I probably wouldn't say that Instagram was the, the, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the source from which I directly get knowledge from in terms of how to take a good photo. But I think the engagement aspect and the social aspect really was a driving force as to why I would like to produce the next post, the next post. Yeah. And I would see people say, leave, thoughtful comments and they would engage and that was you know as shallow it might sound that to me was one of the reasons why I wanted to take you know photos on a consistent basis and making it a regular thing and that inadvertently I'm sure it's not it wasn't intentional but that kind of that kind of introduced me to what photography could look like and I just eventually got into the habit of going out taking photos and trying to make them better um although it's by no means a professional you know source of education still it kind of got the momentum going and you got the bug so to speak you got addicted to it from there yeah 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 kind of yeah yeah Yeah, that's great and so so how many years have you been in the uk now right so on and off i have left the uk but it spans across five years so yeah i think since i first landed in the uk it's not been five years. Yeah. And do you, so every time I'm, I'm assuming that you go back to, to, you know, to Hong Kong from time to time to see family and friends and, mm-hmm. you know, wherever it might be, but do you always go back and want to take photos there as well? Or is it a time to kind of put your camera down? Right. I do think that um, the two cities are very different. Mm. And so there really is a good reason as to why I would like to pick up a camera, even in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, the architecture is different. The city is different. And most importantly, that's where I started photography. And so it just looks very familiar to me. And um, I feel like every time I go back, there is something new that I have not previously been aware of. And every time I go back, I see things slightly differently um, because of the experience that I've gained here in London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you're always kind of learning new things, and and I certainly know that you try a lot because not try to be a good photographer. You are a good photographer, but I see that you try cameras and new films and new ways of, you know, taking photos, which is really good. Like, you know, me and Luke have always enjoyed, you know, connecting with people that that try so many new things, all you know, all the time, especially in your videos, right? Thank you. Yeah, I, I liked the one where you were trying out the disposable camera. Uh, like the lamography, uh-huh. um, what's it called? It's not like disposable, like reusable camera. Yeah. I liked that you said in the video, like it's disposable, but like, you know, really every camera is disposable if you really, you know, right. throw, yeah. you throw your DSLR away. But it's really funny because that's something <laughs> I've thought before that like disposable is such a rubbish way of describing a camera because yeah like everything is disposable really if you really wanted to you know throw something in the bin um it kind of it does wind me up when things aren't named like properly like that uh-huh. but um there was something in that video where you mentioned about um using that type of camera and how it allowed you to be a bit more like discreet i think with with taking yeah. photos because it's less um makes less of an impact in front of people is that something that you find yourself a lot because I definitely do like I'll see a photo and I'll be like I think that looks cool but to somebody observing they would think why are you taking a photo of 
whatever it is because they don't see the photographic yes. aspect of it but is that something that you find a lot when you're out taking photos yes a fair amount actually uh, yeah. both when I'm working and both when I'm taking photos for my own enjoyment mm-hmm. and yeah. I think people's perception of you um, you can't really blame them to be honest because they're not photographers and they don't know how it works but people's yeah. perception of your intentions and um, where those photos are gonna go really depends on what you have in your hand so let's say if you have a proper DSLR with a really long lens which is the case for me when I do press work mm. um, people tend to be really you know sensitive as to why you're gonna take the picture and who is it for and they try to get you into you know the nitty-gritty of the details of where those photos are gonna go yeah. whereas I've had um, experiences where people were actually really excited when I take out my TLR. So it's this really old vintage looking camera that's, yeah. that has two lenses in the front and it's basically obsolete. No one really uses them in the professional sense anymore. Um, but when I, when I shoot with that camera, people tend to warm to me really well and they would actually actively ask, ask to have their photo taken mm-hmm. and ask if I could send it back to them. And that would be a really nice portrait opportunity because, you know, the people who tend to be happy to make a conversation tends to be the people who are really interested, interesting. Mm. They might, you know, they're generally more open-minded and they would make really good portraits, usually. Um, whereas if you go out with like a relatively smaller DSLR with a prime lens, for instance, you don't look as intimidating, but then you still get some strange stares and people still you know, feel that you're, you might be a sense of, you might be like a threat. Yeah. So it really depends on how you manage people's expectations as to why you're photographing and how you carry yourself. So mm-hmm. in relation to the disposable camera, I don't actually shoot like serious work on it, but I do shoot a lot of like family moments and friends when they, when I have friends over, I would shoot on that camera because it just puts people at ease. Yeah. Like it for for generations that came before us, it reminds us, it reminds them of their childhood, for instance. Yeah. It reminds them of them being a kid and having that in their hands. And it just brings up a lot of nostalgia. And so I feel like it's a good way of photographing people who you kind of know, but then would be not exactly comfortable with um, shooting on a proper, proper DSLR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's quite funny when you say that because you know I have like a point and shoot camera that I I use for family life, right? You know, uh-huh. it's something that I kind of carry with me and I you know shoot from time to time. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I would go. You know, I'm not a professional photographer, but I wouldn't use it for you know work that interests me into you know in terms of my photography kind of career. If oh, you like. Yeah, okay. Um, but. In terms of what you're saying, going back to what you're saying about people getting a little bit funny sometimes, I think that if you have a digital camera, not all the time, but if you have a digital camera, people tend to be a little bit funnier because they're like, oh, you know, why are you taking photos of me? Or why are you taking these photos? Or why are you here? Me and Luke actually had it a couple of weeks ago. We, we put out a video of us going around this kind of um, abandoned, what yeah. would you call it? Yeah, like a waste ground. Like a wasteland. And when we got back to the car after we'd been walking around for a few hours, there was a you know a woman there that got a little bit funny with us. But at the same time, there's been situations where I've taken photos of people on a analog camera, and people just like the nostalgia that you've got for using an analog camera because they know it's old, right? They know, or it's certainly going to be older. And those people are like seem to be more interested, and they not necessarily don't mind you taking a photo, but they're definitely more intrigued, which is weird because you can't actually show them the photos. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. someone's like, oh, why are you taking a photo of me? Let me see that. You can be like, well, no, I can't. It's film, I can't, yeah. But then they're like, oh, that's pretty cool that you're using that. I remember my granddad used to have one of those cameras or, do you know what I mean? It's a lot, it tends to be a softer blow to people. And, you know, they appreciate that you're actually doing something that's, not everyone does right because everyone has a phone in their hand everyone's got a digital camera nowadays but you know so it's a love-hate relationship sometimes isn't it exactly yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know why that is maybe it's like maybe it's because you've put more thought into like owning a camera if you've got if you're shooting on film and it's like it's more of a 
hobby, I guess, than a like I don't know. It is a weird thing. I I like you're Jamie. Like you're quite good at asking people for photos, aren't you? Which I'm I'm no good at it. And like, there's a couple of times that I have done it, and people have just they said no, and I'm like, yeah. that's the worst. That's my worst fear. Like. In, you know that you're just going to be like no not at all and I had somebody come up to me and be like wow that's such a cool camera and I was like oh can I take your portrait and he was like no um and, and just like, was like oh right okay well that's strange mm. um but do you get that do you ever ask people for like photos in the street or anything with them or are you uh, is that not really your sort of thing to do yes I do I do so mm. I tend to not put that on video because it's a bit hard to manage, like, mm. you know, directing them and also filming a video of myself and mm. them. Because I think the video does create some suspicion as well. Like yeah. people would be like, whoa, wait, you're now taking my photo, but then also I'm on video. Mm. Um, and obviously people don't necessarily want to be on YouTube. So I don't put that much um, mm. of portrait work on my YouTube. But yes, I do that. Um, I I think it's like a mixed bag really so sometimes I just directly point the camera at the person until they see me and they'll be like oh and I'll be like oh you have a say really nice hat or I really like your outfit um, and I just give them a reason why I want to photograph them yeah um, that's one one way of going about it another way would be just really upfront like going up to them and ask oh can I have a photo of you and it's really up to them, but I think I'm pretty cool with them saying no because of the nature of the work that I do professionally, I do get no's a lot. And so I fully appreciate that they really don't want to be on camera. And sometimes you just have to admit, like you just have to accept the fact that some people are, you know, yeah. not so fun. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that they, they don't, they aren't that appreciative of, you know, casual fun. Yeah. So that's a good I'll idea. just move on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't beat yourself up, right? There's there's always another photo that's that, that is available to take, right? And there's yeah. you know, yeah. And I think people need to remember that. Don't beat yourself up too much. You know, you know, people get more embarrassed than others. Luke, Luke said that I'm good at it, but I still get the nerves of going up to someone and asking, even if I do ask. But I, I was saying just before we jumped on this that I quite like the challenge of taking a photo without asking do you know what I mean right um, but it, it depends on the kind of photography but th this is a nice little segue into your kind of like YouTube channel if you like because I did want to touch upon that I really enjoy your videos and as you know me and Luke haven't been doing it that long but we can take a lot of inspiration from channels like yours and you know other people that we follow um, but we appreciate it so much more when it's just you right because like you said you have to go right. out film then you have to go out and take the photos if you're shooting film then you have to develop them wait for them to come back whilst you're editing the video mm -hmm. have you kind of got like a bit of a routine now of like how you'll approach something or could respectfully some of your videos are very different right sometimes you'll be talking to the camera and mm -hmm. you'll be doing some whatever review whether it be a film stock or a photo book but sometimes I just enjoy seeing wherever you are and seeing the, you know, the photos that you've made. So are you constantly kind of coming up with new ideas or are you just kind of, I'll always have my camera with me. I'll always film just in case I can make a video. Right. I think my channel is kind of like a bit all over the place. And I think that's actually a healthy thing because yeah. with photography over time, well, when I just started the channel, I tried really hard to, create a routine for this so that I know it's repeatable and that I know what I'm doing every single day so for instance I would um, set myself deadlines by what day of the week I will have all the photos ready and then I will start editing on say a Wednesday and do the thumbnails on Thursday and upload it on Friday and have it scheduled for Saturday for instance but then I realized that that's not exactly serving myself creatively because you just can't portion things out like that um, with photography and in general, anything that's creative. Um, on some days, especially we're in London, and some, on some days, the weather's just not up for it. Yeah. You just can't shoot film when it's raining. I mean, you can, okay? But unless you're after that look, um, the light, if the light's not good, you'll just have to accept the fact that you're not going to get 
the light vibe, like the light um, Welcome that to you. you want. Yeah, exactly. And so I kind of learned how to live with the fact that you just can't have everything so pre-planned. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's why I try to switch things up so that I know if I if something doesn't go to plan, I mean, I would always have some sort of idea of what I'm going to do in a few weeks time. But in case, just in case something something doesn't go to plan, I will still be able to do a different video because um, I know I could pull it, pull it off. Um, and one of those kind of videos that I really enjoy doing is the artist video. So like talking about some of the famous photographers that I really like and that I think the audience would also enjoy. That kind of thing, it has more to do with general knowledge and it's less dependent on my work schedule, the, the weather and like my film chemicals on arriving, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I do- Recently, didn't you as well? doing that and I, I can't remember who it was now um i can't remember the artist was dean dean arbus the That's most it, recent yeah. one was Dean Arbus. yeah yeah and i really enjoyed that and and i also really respected you at this because at, at the start of the video you were like this isn't like a you know an hour-long documentary i'm not going to tell you all the facts or anything it was a more personal opinion from your side of things but at the same time it was still educational and especially if you'd not heard of that artist right it was still nice to know like the key points and and your thought process on how that book was put together or that artist's work and yeah i really like those videos for me i'd rather watch a video that's 10 15 minutes long that makes me want to go and find out more than commit an hour of my time and after 10 minutes i'm a little bit bored you know what i mean right i'm, I'm glad you said that because when I was planning for the video, I I tried really hard to balance between laying out the facts of who Dean is and I mean who Dean was and what she did versus how I how I see things. So so how I see her because it could be a delicate balance. As in, there 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 is obviously people in the audience who haven't heard of Dean before, yeah. and there will be people who already know a fair bit about her. Um, and there will be people who want to hear more on how I see her. So it's a delicate balance to achieve. And especially when I, when I was aiming to like contain it within five minutes, which I epically failed, um, it, it was a fun video to create because yeah, it yeah. forces you to really think of what's okay, what's the what's the most iconic things about her that you think the audience should know, yeah. and how do you put that across without being overly simplistic. Yeah. And also not trying to bore everyone. Yeah, yeah. but I think you, you do that very well because at the same time as well, I can go and research that photographer, right? And I can find out every aspect of his or hers life from other videos or news articles or documentaries, whatever it might be. But I've never heard your opinion on that person. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. do you know what I mean? So, and that's always interesting. Or whether it be a person or a camera or a film stock, whatever it might be, if someone wants to know the technical details about a certain camera, a certain photographer, it's already been done. But right, if you do yeah. it in your own way, then it, then I've never seen that, right? I've never heard your opinion and why you like them or don't like them, which, again, that, that always keeps me coming back to your channel and other channels, right? Because it's nice to see a personal opinion on it and how you relate your own life or work to that, right? So I think that's, I think that's important for everyone to do. It's really reassuring to hear as well about you, you know, kind of not beating yourself up about a schedule because, yeah, me and Luke, it's, you know. Yeah, we, you would know, you would know. We, we say to ourselves, like, we need to have, we need to have this video ready by two weeks before it's going to go out. We need to start filming for the next video. We're going to edit on these days, but then life happens, right? And mm. something mm. comes up and it changes the whole schedule in a few minutes. So really... Yeah. We shouldn't be ourselves up so much, you know what I mean? I think, I think for six months, we put out a video every Wednesday, every single week. And then right. after that, we were like, it's hard to keep it up, like to keep that yeah. flow of yeah. stuff going. And I enjoy doing it. You don't want to have to feel like, oh, I'm putting out a video because I need to put one out. It's not very good. Yeah. When really you should just put out um, something when you're ready to put it out. Make sure you're happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just leave everything till the last minute and I'll be like editing like, you know, the night before. Or, um, 
then I, then I always do it. I get to the end and go, I haven't written a description. I haven't done the thumbnails. And I'm like, have to do them really quickly. Mm. It's like, you don't want it to be. So like, relatable. Yeah. 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 I always forget about thumbnails. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like because like I'm someone who's quite into my YouTube, right? I watch YouTube most evenings. I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch YouTube. Like, I don't really watch TV. Like me and my fiance, we don't really watch TV. We'll either watch The Office on Netflix or we'll watch YouTube. <laughs> random, it'll just be random. That's a good one to watch. Yeah, it is a good one to watch. Uh-huh. But then, then we'll watch YouTube. We'll, you know, there's channels that we both follow that we enjoy watching the videos together or we'll randomly put something on, right? So for me and how I use YouTube, I feel like... I'm always interested in what people that I've already supported are doing next. And it's nice to see people trying new things or changing and not sticking to the same thing necessarily. I think that's important. People that kind of stagnate, not only are they getting bored making those videos, but so is the audience watching it, right? And it's the same, you know, you can kind of relate that to photography. You should always be trying new techniques out. Even if you don't like them, at least you can tick them off and say you've tried them. Very true. Yeah, yeah. I I was enjoying it like the other day, just clicking on random you know when you get suggested videos and you like barely ever watch them I was just watching random people's ones and like I found some good people I found some ones that looked interesting and actually weren't very interesting but like (laughs) the worry is I think you're like if I click on that video I'm just even if I don't subscribe to their channel I'm going to just get suggested them forever and you kind of you don't want to like make the algorithm think that you want to watch more right. of their videos but yeah. yeah it was like that's quite an enjoyable thing to do isn't it yeah so yeah. when when did you decide to kind of um start like a youtube channel and you know have you got any kind of like future plans for the channel or, or videos right the original intention of the youtube channel was actually not to be a youtuber like as in I, as a photographer, I think you would understand. You enjoy being behind the camera way more than being in front of the camera. If you wanted to be in front of the camera, you probably wouldn't have been a photographer. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had a blog that I write about photography. I do enjoy writing a lot. So I thought maybe as part of my marketing, you know, strategy, I would have videos as well. I would have video content on my blog. So that would make my blog rank better in Google. So that was where it all started. That was the original intention. It was like more like a supportive function of my blog rather than a thing in itself. But then I realized that actually there are many things to be learned in the process of making videos. And it's basically like another dimension of storytelling that you don't get by just putting out photographs or putting out words rather you are you you'll have to be good on camera you'll have to think of how to lay out you know the sequence of how you tell a story you'll have to take care of the visuals um tiny things like how you how you what you put at the back of your wall you know tiny things like these would all contribute towards the story that you eventually tell and that that was really interesting to me I've never really been a video person um, and that as, and also like the audio, you know, how to make it sound good and how to make people actually comfortable listening to the output on your mic. So tiny things like these made me realize that there are, there's this, there's this whole new world of creating content and just trying to tell stories basically. Yeah. And that was what kept me going. So I, I just wanted to learn um, and improve upon every video that comes out. Yeah. Plus, better, better that I could talk about something that I really care about. And that's how the channel eventually grew to where it is today. Um, moving forward, to be honest, I am not sure where it's going to go. I will just still continue showing up and putting up content that I think would be interesting to viewers and also things that I would like to learn about to be honest in the process of putting together these videos i myself have learned a lot yeah. like mm-hmm. you know there are many things that i have a brief idea of but because you're putting out a video that's publicly available to you know everyone in the world you have this added responsibility to make sure that the stuff you say 
is accurate. You don't want to, you know, say something that's misleading and eventually have someone make wrong decisions because of what you've said. So this weight that comes with the power of being able to speak freely was one of the reasons why I, you know, take a lot of, I put it, I put in a lot of effort to research every single thing I say and to make sure that I'm presenting um, a view that is, that is prudent to what I really want to say. And in that I process, have a question you... about this, to be honest. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, again, it might just be because, you know, people probably don't notice this kind of thing or, you know, most people wouldn't notice it. But if you've made videos before, or edited videos before, or ever had to speak to a camera before, you'll know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to the camera, you are looking at the camera. So do you memorise all your facts or do you have a little piece of paper and cut out the times that you look at it? Because I swear that you never look at any references around. Where me, sometimes I have to have like a piece of paper just out, you know, out of shot. But I swear every time you're talking and like, you, you, you know, you reel off some facts sometimes. I'm like, how does she yeah. remember that? Do you know what I mean? Like, but <laughs> it's also nice to see that, you, you know, you don't claim, your, you know, you don't proclaim yourself to be like, an expert that can't learn anymore. You can see that your photographic journey is still continuing. You're also very knowledgeable with what you already know, but you'd still admit to yourself and to your audience, right? That you're still learning as you go on, right? Which which is a good thing. In terms of what I do when I film the film the you know the footage, I don't keep um, pieces of notes around because I know if I have notes, I will not resist the temptation to actually look at the notes. So um, and I think when I, when I watch videos, I tend to be quite aware of the fact that the speaker isn't looking directly into the camera. Yeah. So I know that I, I'm really conscious of not making that mistake myself. Yeah. And so I try to do everything to avoid um, looking unnatural on camera. And so I decided that maybe it's, it's better to do a few runs, even if I'll have to say the same thing over and over again then have a piece of paper that I will be tempted to look at because then even if I complete the video in one sitting right I'm still like I'm if I if I end up looking away from the camera I'll have to redo the whole thing so I usually just have a few points that I put down on my phone and then I make sure that I kind of know what I'm going to say because you, you grow nervous if you don't actually know what you want to say. But if you kind of have an idea of where you're going to go with a video, um, I think with a few runs, you will reasonably be able to say it fluently. Yeah. And of course, the editing is really important as well. I just yeah. cut out everything that, um, you know, I don't want to have in a video. Yeah. So that is probably why I appear as if I look into the camera. So... I do rely heavily on editing and also I do say things a lot of times before it actually goes out. That's good to hear because I say things thousands of times. Yeah, Sometimes I People send me a message saying, or, oh, you know, I'll send them a message, oh, we need to do an intro or can we do this, that and the other. I'll sit here for an hour and it's a 30-second clip. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I'll exactly. And I'll be like, oh, God. And then I'll try, then I'll go through this weird stage of trying to, memorize something even though i haven't actually said it yet because you know you're trying to take all the pros of all the previous trials and try and put it into one package but i've kind of i'm kind of learning to not put too put too much pressure on myself but then i'm not making like a you know a hollywood movie i'm just trying to reel off a few things that i need to say do you know what i mean but yeah. same as you we cut out all the little bits that uh, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it, it does make it look a little bit more fluent, but it's it's it is hard. It's a it's a massive. You know, I could be the most confident person in the world, but as soon as I put that camera on me, like you said, we we prefer to be behind the camera, not in front of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's quite natural, isn't it, for people to just sort of suddenly you go, ah, oh, it's it's called like, is it red light fever? As soon as you hit record your mind just goes blank. Yeah. I knew what I was going to say. I knew what I was going to say. I know. Let me stop this clip because I'll, uh, I'll do it. And, you know, I don't want it to be wasted. Yeah. And then you're like, right, know what to do. Hit record. 
and then it happens again all yeah. over again the amount of i could make an hour-long film of me going all the bloopers yeah they would add up yeah yeah it's comforting to hear that it's, it can be a struggle you know yeah my, my my main problem is i'll be halfway through saying something and my mind will just go and i'm like i'm still talking but i'm thinking what 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 were you trying to say what's the point get and i do it when we're doing these i'll be like asking someone a question and then like uh talk about something else for a little while and then come back to the question and i'm like i can't remember what i just said and uh-huh. like, i hope i asked the question somewhere in there um yeah that's not fun at all i want to talk a little bit to you about the well before we move on if you are listening to this, there will be a link down below to Linda's YouTube channel, um, as well as your Instagram and everything else. Um, so mm-hmm. please go and check that out. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about what I want to call a new adventure for you, which is the kind of photojournalism side, the new side of everything. Um, I know you've been doing it for some time now, but how did you kind of get into that in the first place? Right. Um, to be very honest, I didn't really intentionally get into this I kind of stumbled into it and the reason was because I was shooting quite a lot of street stuff um, not in the sense of protest but rather you know abstract street photography that basically doesn't have to do with people and um, that could take place anytime as long as I want to as long as I want to go for it and Eventually, I just start seeing people demonstrating because, you know, it's London and almost every other weekend you would have some sort of activist group around in central London and they'll be doing something. They'll be, they're usually really loud also. So it's really hard to not notice them, to be honest. Like if you shoot, if you shoot enough on streets, for sure, you will run into some people who are demonstrating or, um, or they're doing some sort of protest in some form or marching around Mm -hmm. and so gradually I just thought that okay this looks interesting to me because um, where I'm from from Hong Kong I don't get to see this kind of activity that much I mean we do have demos and we do have large ones and when they happen they they aren't nice but it's this sporadic activity that's kind of like a like an ongoing thing which is an integral part of the city life that really intrigued me. And so I wanted to explore it further. And I also see that whenever there are these events, there tend to be quite a lot of photographers and videographers in those events trying to document the whole process. And so I just kind of realized that there's this whole other realm of photography, um, either in either, either you, how do you say, like you either call it photojournalism or documentary, that I was not previously aware of. And funnily enough, I also realized that I've actually signed up to one of those um, news photography agencies that would take these kind of photos. And so I just started experimenting with the whole process of going to protests, um, taking photos, and then sending them to the press. And I really did not expect to get any publications, but I did. And so eventually it just gave me a more solid reason as to why I'm going. I'm not just going there for myself to have fun, but rather it does come out in, in say, online or even in the papers. And that was how I realized, okay, so this is an entirely separate industry, um, otherwise known as press photography, that is worth exploring. And so it just eventually started meeting more people, going to more things, because you know, as a freelancer, you just find out about what's happening and then just go. So you basically know a bit more about the city, you know, you know about London better, and you start knowing about when things are happening and just go. And eventually, it became my main thing. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool, because you've actually answered one of my questions. I was going to ask you a question about how did you go from going to these kind of matches or whatever it might be, to actually getting your work published right and you know you know you, you've registered to like a, a press agency which which is awesome and it's so good I mean you must feel a sense of achievement to see that your work has been printed or published 
you know whether it be online or in or in the paper um and I, I guess you know it goes back to you know like when you first found photography right you were excited it was this new thing do you feel like that this type of photography is you know you've become somewhat addicted to that as well right like it's a new challenge yes definitely yeah. and I think one of the reasons why it's so alluring to me is because with news photography the quality of the photos become secondary so previously all I care about was how to make some make a frame look visually appealing yeah. that's the thing right like that's the reason why you you are shooting because you want to get a frame that looks aesthetically pleasing to yourself and that was basically how I was operating that was my rationale behind photo taking for years until I came into this realm of news photography slash photojournalism and that was when I realized that maybe there is some more to photos as in they play this critical role of informing people of what's happening and in a so given that as the primary primary goal of why you're taking pictures you you kind of see pictures differently so you you kind of learn how to I mean, obviously the quality is important, but then there's this whole new aspect of finding out what the next photo is in terms of what the audience, what the public wants to see, what's in the news and what's important to the public. So this is a massive challenge, to be honest. It's a massive shift in how you, how you function as a photographer because you're kind of expected to be able to produce good results technically and aesthetically. You have to capture that like a pure moment like like you said like the quality does have to be there but at the same time the photos have to tell you the story of what's going on right yes so the substance of the photo becomes like it basically um takes over the aesthetic side of things basically and that is a massive challenge to me because i've never really used to thinking like that and do you feel like you have to work like quickly, like like, for example, if something is happening that you don't, you know, you're not aware of, right? Do you find yourself just getting your camera bag and running down to the station and going to wherever you've heard there might be a news story, or is it a bit more planned out and you know there's going to be like a match or a protest or whatever it might be, and you can kind of plan to go there, you know, for as as long as you need to be there. Right, speed is definitely very key yeah. when it comes to news, so. There has been times where I know of someone, know, know of something happening um, that's close to where I am, and I just literally t- take all my take my bag and just rush over. Yeah. Um, I think it also depends on what you're after, to be honest, because there are many kinds of news. There can be emergencies, there can be accidents, like the stabbing that just happened yesterday, yeah. which was horrible. Um, there could also be things that are more regular, if that makes sense. So it really depends on what you're up to. And it depends on the kind of life that you want to live as a photographer. Um, not everyone is capable of going, going to an accident out of the blue because they might have a family to take care of. They might have other obligations yeah. that prevents them from doing it in this way. But there's still room for, you know, a more steady, regular routine if you want to work as a press photographer. And um, there certainly are people who have some sort of routine. So let's say they're going to be at Westminster every single day at a certain time or at a certain day of the week because someone is saying something or a certain meeting is happening, for instance. So there is a huge variety of how you can go about it, really. Um, ideally, you will, you will be able to do everything, but you don't have to, depending yeah. on your personal preference. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, and then uh, like in terms of like, you know, the work that you send off to like the press office, if you like, for them to select a photo, I'm guessing you're in competition with other people that were there, other photographers, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's very true. And so do you send as many photos as possible and hope that one gets selected or are you quite choosy with those photos because you want to send over your kind of like best work and what you, you're proud of. Right. I tend to keep it concise. I tend to keep 
the selection of photos narrow and I have like a rational as to whether or not I would send something and whether or not I would not send something because the people on the receiving end of you know the desk or the paper or the media whatever it is they are they are trained professionally to vet whether a photo would serve the needs of their publication so they know what they want and you should know what they want also and so there really is no point in sending some sending them stuff that they definitely would not want Um, and each publication would have a slightly different editorial policy and also in terms of the kind of visuals that they're looking for and so you know I having having done this for a few like having done it a few times I realized that it really is my job to tailor the selection so that they have an easy time going through my photos and you know just send your just send the strongest work there's no point in sending some power work that you know they would chuck away anyway and so it also is a matter of you know time efficiency because as you said you're in competition with so many other photographers and speed is always key so rather than waste time editing 10 mediocre photos why don't you just send three and focus on making those three good that would be how i see it yeah because speed is of the essence they want to get that out as soon as they can and yeah um, yeah yeah that's it's really interesting because i feel like i'd be there i'd i'd take 200 photos and the 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 kind of photographer in me right that he wants to go home sit there upload them on a laptop tweak them if they need tweaking and then you know narrow it down to 10 that i really like when you're just like Bam, 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 bam. okay here's three good ones let's send them off fingers yeah. crossed do you know what I mean uh-huh. it must be weird as well because you know you might have a photo selected or you might see someone else's work for argument's sake and you knew that you were there and you're like well I know my f- photograph is technically a better photo right but the people that are choosing those photos those photos are they photographers probably not so they they're picking based on their unprofessional photography opinion, right? But is it weird to think how it gets selected? Oh, it's certainly something that you can never really know because at the end of the day, you're not the one who is selecting the photos. Um, Though I think when it comes to like making a living professionally, the photos really, I think, okay, about 10% of the time, am I really thinking about the photos? Rather, there are a lot of other considerations that go into play. Say, whether or not, for instance, in the first place, whether or not I turn up to something would already be one of the considerations um, and which photos to send and how much to edit and when to send. You know, there are so many things that go on in the back of your head that photos, the quality of the photos itself, is, I mean, it, it should come as second nature, really. I really, really like the photos that you've taken with. I think it was HP4. Uh, yeah, I really like the photos that you pulled. But I didn't know if you had a favourite film or favourite camera. That's exactly my favourite film. I really like FP4. Um, I really like how punchy it is. Yeah. I tend to like more contrast in my photos. I mean, like hot takes, people tend to advise that you should go for a flatter look in your negatives. So I'm fine with having contrast. Um, and I do like to photograph in rather bright conditions. And so it, the, picture in I, the picture that I have in my head is contrasty. And so I don't mind having a more contrasty film or a film that could fit into that kind of visual. Um, I also like how the grain looks on, um, on the FP4 film. Yeah. So that would be my favorite film. And I tend to like how um, light works on black and white film. So if I had to pick one film out of all the film stocks in the world, it would be FP4. I'm so happy you said that because so many people would pick HP5 or, you know, in terms of black uh-huh. and white, um, which, you know, is great. But I've recently discovered FP4. Like, I, think I've, Congrats. I, think I've, I think I've shot it a few times here and there without really knowing um, or, you know, you know, not really thinking about what I'm... Fo- I was more interested in just going out and shooting, not reviewing the film stock in my own head. But yeah. I recently shot a couple of roles of FB4 and I literally, I remember talking to Luke, I was like, it's, 
it's my favourite. I love it. Mm. Nothing bad with it. In terms of black and white, anyway, I, I absolutely love it. And I think I even went and bought four more. Actually, I think I bought four expired rolls recently. Was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're only like a year expired or something like that. But uh, and I got them a little bit cheaper from our local camera shop. Uh-huh. But yeah. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. Don't worry. I've shot FP4 from like almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's so good because, you know, with slower films, it doesn't really matter. One year, it's very it's basically nothing you can yeah. shoot it as if it's fresh so it's mm. really nice was that was that the film that you in a recent video where you pulled it i think it was like two stops and then just a little bit more yeah i think that's it, it. Like 100 to like 20 or something like that i think i i tend to push films yeah. more than pulling films but yeah i do a lot of pushing on the fp4 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. and I like contrasty photos. Don't get me wrong, I, I like less contrasty photos. I'd never be bummed out if I took a photo or I can still appreciate people's work that isn't so contrasty. But personally, if I get a photo back or I've developed it myself and I can see that I've got high contrast, I'm fine with that. I, you know, I enjoy it. As to favourite film camera? Yeah. I would say, okay, it's probably not a fair comparison because like there are so many different formats and I don't own all of the formats, but I really enjoy shooting on a TLR. I really like the waist level perspective of how it works. So basically, think about it. If you're shooting on a SLR, for instance, you're holding it like this and you're seeing, seeing it through the viewfinder. So the camera kind of comes in the way between you and your subject yeah. in the case of a portrait, whereas... If you're looking down, there's nothing really in between you and the subject. And they would oftentimes be looking at you, like some general area here. And I really like the vibe of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just like the quality of the square format as well. I think I was it's literally a, saying that, wasn't I? Literally, yeah. But me personally, I've been shooting a lot of um, photos recently and I haven't got a TLR but I've been shooting square format um, and just having my camera, you know, on its strap and taking it from the waist. Uh-huh. I feel like it's just opened my eyes to a whole new realm of photography. Um, but again, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. Congrats. That's a really good, that's a really good camera to have in the long run. It will, you know, you can do so many amazing things on it. 